People, get ready to explore in a way you never have before with the Defender 110. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design, a reimagined exterior, a robust interior, a superior off-road capability. The Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. It has powerful innovations like intuitive driver display. Whether you're headed to uncharted territory or just a weekend of exploration, the Defender 110 is up to the challenge. Push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further. The Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Hey, look, I'm sure you take a lot of vitamins. Maybe you take a daily multivitamin. Maybe you take ones to boost your immunity or ones to help with alertness. What about your cells? Are you giving your cells the full nutrition they need, especially as we age? I am, thanks to Solgar. Solgar is part of my daily routine, thanks to their cellular nutrition line. Give yourself a daily collection of nutrients designed to help fight cellular decline and promote cell health. Visit CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more and use promo code MarkMarin, all one word, to get 20% off. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fuck nicks? What's happening? What is happening? How's it going? Where are we at? I just, I'm back from New York. I'm punchy, man. I'm tired. I've been tired. I've been, I've been running pretty hard, people. Doing the promotional stuff for the HBO special From Bleak to Dark, which premiered Saturday night on HBO and HBO Max. I guess it'll be on HBO Max forever or however long it takes them to dump some content to make space. I don't know how it works when the cloud fills up over at HBO Max. But for now... It's there. It's also running on HBO proper. I don't know about international stuff. I don't know how that works. Uh, there, It's out of my hands. I'm sorry. Make a trip to the United States to a hotel that has HBO if you don't get it in your country. I imagine it'll eventually be there, but I appreciate all the feedback. I appreciate it. Let me, I'll, I'll tell you what's going on, but let me, let me, how are you? Huh? Are you all right? So today on the show, interesting, kind of a, a curveball, not unlike Wayne Brady in the sense that, well, these all make sense, but you don't, you don't think about them as guests here and you never know here. You just never know what's going to happen here. But Mark Summers is on the show. Now he, you know, like I missed him because I'm a little too old to have been uh, watching Double Dare on Nickelodeon. Uh, but I remember Unwrapped on the Food Network, but it, it, it's not as simple as that. Why, why Mark Summers? I'll tell you why. It turns out that his background makes him a pretty ideal WTF guest. He's a Jewish kid who wanted to get into entertainment, tried his hand at stand-up, but was a magician initially, worked at the comedy store back in the day, had numerous personal setbacks and health challenges that he had to overcome. So it just made sense for him to be on the show. I had no idea that, and he... He grew up with my optometrist, who's a jazz trumpet player, Elliot Kane. Mark Summers grew up in Indianapolis. I don't want to spoil anything. Spoiler alert. Mark Summers grew up with my optometrist, the jazz trumpet playing Elliot Kane, who's got an office over in Highland Park with a hand-painted sign. Yeah, small world. What the fuck was that about? I, it, it was, you'll hear it. But yeah, he's on the show. 
So listen, people, listen to me. We asked our WTF Plus subscribers to sign up some friends in January, and we said the person who got the most referrals would get a shout-out on the show and a gift from us. Well, we did have one overwhelming winner, and we already spoke to her and thanked her. She said she'd prefer not to get a personal shout-out on the show here, but if we could instead give a memorial shout-out to her late dog, Frankie, which, of course, we can, and I'll do it here. I'll do it now. Are you ready? Here we go. Frankie lives! Dog angels everywhere with Frankie. And speaking of Full Marin subscribers, I'll be doing another Ask Mark Anything next week. If you have a question you want me to answer, click on the link in the episode description. How's that sound to you? So look, I'm back from New York Again, thank you for all the feedback. I'm glad people are enjoying this special. I believe it looks great. And New York was kind of a whirlwind, but I was happy to be there. So I had to uh, had to Jimmy Fallon. I like Jimmy Fallon. I like I like doing his show better than any of the other late night shows because he's he engages and he actually really engages. You, you know, I was on with Paul Rudd. Because I saw Jimmy in the hallway and we were just talking with Paul Rudd and he was like, just being, you know, Jimmy and hanging out. We're having some laughs and talking. And then, but when he gets out there, he's locked in, man. You know, you're looking at a live wire there. But they had asked me uh, if I wanted to play with the roots, you know, to play out to commercial, which is literally less than a minute of uh, guitar playing. And I was like, yeah. I'll try that. I, of course I'd like to play with the roots. How, how often am I going to get an opportunity to play with the roots? So now all I'm thinking about is playing with the roots. Like I've got, I got a, I got bits to do. I got, you know, I got to worry about following Paul Rudd with all the slapstick and the snot and the whatever bits, but that didn't matter. But I had, I had some good bits. They were good enough and, and they were funny, but I always thinking about is, is playing with the roots. And in the hallway, you know, I, I met with the roots guy and I'm like, well, let's just do like a basic blues shuffle or something. And and he played something in the Roots office. He's like this. And I'm like, what key is that? And he's like, F. I'm like, no, I don't want to do F. Let's do A. He's like, whatever you want. A's great. And then the bass player was there. They got me the guitar. And he was like, you know, Quest will probably, you know, uh, count us in. And I'm like, okay, I think I can handle that. And Captain Kirk Douglas, who I know, he's like, it'll be great. And I'm like, I don't know, man. And I don't think about it. I like, I got to land that first lick. I got to land that first lick because I don't have that much time and I'm going to walk over there and like run over there, get the guitar and just pop that first lick. And it's got to hit, man. And I told Jimmy, I said, Jimmy, I'm going to, I'm going to play three. He's like, you're going to play with the roots, right? I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to choke, dude. I'm probably going to choke. He's like, yeah, you probably are, but we'll just do it again. I'm like, no, don't say that. So, so I get out there. They bring me out. I sit with Jimmy in my uh, John Varvato suit that I bought in the hallucinatory state after my colonoscopy, as some of you remember, I think the suit looked okay. And I got a pick in my pocket. And I'm just thinking like, I got to get the pick out. I got to get it in my hand. When Jimmy says I can go over there. So we do the jokes and they all go well. And I, I and I, it was fine. It was fun. Uh, and I got laughs. It was good. Everything was good. But I'm just like, I got to get that. I got to nail that first lick. And I get, and then I put my hand in my pocket while I'm talking to Jimmy, I think. And I pull the pick out. So I got it in my hand. And then after we do it, he's like, so you want to, uh, go over there and play with the roots, play us into commercial. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to try. I can try. And I kind of ran over there like a dork, 
strapped on the guitar, had my pick in my hand, you know, looked at the guitar, got my hands on it. And they were already sort of playing a chord. They were kind of doing something. And I knew in my mind that that quest was going to count us in, but I just like got the guitar on and I slammed out that first lick and, and quest followed me into it and just got on the groove and we were in it and it was like, I know that thing didn't look like a long time, but it was a real thrill for me, a real honor for me to play with the roots and to be locked in with them because I'm looking at quest, you know, and, and then I do the lick. I look at him before I play and I hit the lick and he looks at me, he looks at the guys and he lays out the groove. And then I play for a while and I'm, I'm still locked in with quest. Cause I see him call out to the band. I, I, cause we're in the a and he says, uh, four and I heard him and I saw him do it. So I was able to land on the four and it was, uh, it was sweet. And I played longer than they, you know, they kind of, and I think Jimmy was impressed because I got it. I got it on the, I didn't fuck it up. But that was probably the high point was playing with the roots for a minute. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was more exciting than being in my hotel room alone trying to figure out if the hotel TV got HBO. How was that going to be exciting? Why do I end up by myself watching my specials? I do sometimes uh, on premiere night because I'm doing press or whatever. I, I don't know. I, I just remember my first TV spot when I did Evening at the Improv. I'd flown out from New York. I got a hotel down in Santa Monica because the club was down there. I didn't rent a car. I probably got a super shuttle to the hotel. And I think I had my girlfriend, who was Kim at the time, who became my first wife. And I went to Stussy and I bought a shirt that I never wore again. I tried to wear it, but it was not my style of shirt. But I thought, I just, what is it with me buying things day of and having never worn them and going on television? But the, 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 the thing of this story is that after I did my first evening of the improv, I took a city bus with Kim back to the hotel. And uh, there's something I just, I don't know. I, I have to stay grounded. I have to stay grounded in reality. But I was alone in my hotel room over at the Ludlow. I watched the special. I turned it off. I saw, I looked at some action on Twitter. And then I packed my bags and I went to sleep. But apparently, I'm getting good feedback. Uh, my dad's wife called me. He seems fine with it. I just talked to him. He's okay. My mother said she liked it. I don't know what her boyfriend thought. Uh, you know, I always, it's a little awkward because my dad's wife's very Christian. Her whole family's very Christian. And I'm just doing my special. The first 20 minutes, I'm basically the Antichrist. I'm the Jewish Antichrist. But she was, uh, she's always very excited. And I, it, the feedback's been fine. It's been great. I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to. I'll tell all I'm thinking about. Not unlike thinking about the first lick when I was playing with the Roots. Um... I've got the equipment. I've got what I need to begin brining. I'm going to start making kraut. This is my, this is the phase of early vegetarianism I'm in right now. And again, I'm not committing to a way of life. I'm just doing something for a while to see if I enjoy it and it makes me feel better. Okay. That's the, that's the thing. But I got a ceramic crock. I got some weights. I got a ceramic lid and I'm going to start making my own kraut. That's going to happen this week, people. So you're going to get uh, updates on my fermenting process. 
Um, I don't know if I'm going to see much happening, but we'll see how it goes. I didn't realize it was so fucking easy. Seriously. You just need salt and cabbage. Anyway, the HBO special is on. Go watch it if you haven't watched it. I'm proud of it. Mark Summers is here. Now, Mark, as I said, uh, he's the guy some of you grew up watching um, on Double Dare, on Nickelodeon. That seems to be where a, a whole generation knows him from. He's got a new podcast, Mark Summers Unwraps. It's now available wherever you get your podcasts. And this turned out to be uh, a pretty fun interview for me because I found a zone with him as a as a guy who came up, you know, he's... <laughs> I don't know if any of you have seen the uh, the segment he did on Jay Leno's Tonight Show with Burt Reynolds, but maybe pause the podcast. Yeah, do this. Listen to me. Look up Mark Summers, Burt Reynolds, M-A-R-C-S-U-M-M-E-R-S, and Burt Reynolds, uh, and watch that, and then come back and start the interview because we get into it. And I had never seen it. And apparently the entire world had seen it. Brendan sent it to me and it was like, yeah, how have you not seen that? It, it's pretty spectacular. And it is the through line of our talk. So go watch that. Go Google or YouTube, Mark Summers, Burt Reynolds, and then come back and listen to me talking to Mark Summers, which I will do now. sort of like you know you work your whole life and whatever however you end up i don't know are you living the dream uh it's not the dream i expected but i'm having a great time and i've been very fortunate yeah you know i I got a lot of lucky little breaks uh but you know i me like everybody else when i came out here in 1973 i thought it was taking johnny's place you know i didn't know yeah that's why i moved out so you're born in indianapolis 1951 indianapolis indiana yep so how did the jews get to indianapolis (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they made the wrong turn somewhere, man. My uh, dad's parents uh, were from Hungary, and they got out uh, before all the crazy stuff. And my mom's parents were from uh, Russia and Romania. But did they go there to farm? My, uh, they, they opened a liquor store sure. in Indianapolis. And then at one time, my dad had the largest grocery store in the state of Indiana, Berkey Supermarket. Okay? Oh, look at that. So, yeah, yeah because like my, one of my great-grandfathers ended up down, in, down south when they sort of like, needed people after the Civil War yeah. and was a grocer. It's just sort of interesting, and they, and they were originally from Poland or somewhere. Yeah. Do you know uh, my my optometrist is an Indianapolis Jew who's the trumpet player, is the jazz trumpet player. Oh, not Elliot. Yeah, Elliot. We, we went to the, <laughs> we were in the same confirmation class together. Come on. Well, yeah, I, I, Elliot came forever. He's he's the best guy ever. It's he great. and me and Greg Reddish and Bob Perlstein. Yeah, we were a group. We hung out, man. Yeah. I, I'd go see him because I lived in Highland Park. <laughs> So I go to the, and he'd be like, hey, man, how you doing, man? He's like, he's my optometrist. He Most walked jive ass uh, Indiana. Yeah. yeah. And he, uh, you know, he's got like the you know, jazz records in the waiting room. Oh, yeah. he, and he plays gigs all the time. He plays good. Yeah. yeah. He's like the real deal. He and really he talks is. the talk and, and he, he does it. He doesn't want to be an optometrist, man. He, he wants to, uh, you know, he wants to play gigs all the time. You know? huh. Yeah, I know. But like, I guess he has to do it. Like, you got a young wife and a kid. I haven't seen now, him in yeah. a while. Yeah. But uh, you're in touch with him? Uh, I, every now and then, he 
like I get an email or I get a text or something from him. Go stop but, by the office. It's, uh, it's 10 minutes from here. <laughs> it's so funny that you know Elliot. Do you know the office? Have no, I've never been over there. That's hysterical. Oh, it's, it's right on York uh, in Highland Park. Surprise him. Yeah. That would be hilarious. <laughs> you should go over oh there. It's God. like kind of the happening little area. And he's still got, you know, he's got this, I think he's been there before it got hip, oh, right? Oh, yeah. He was there a long time before That's he got right. Because yeah. he's got the hand-painted sign. Oh, like, you know, Elliot Optometrist oh, is not, it's like old school. But uh, what a trip, man. So you knew – so there was a big Jewish community growing up? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, for Indiana, I guess it was, you know. Well, I mean, I grew up in Albuquerque, man. Oh, there was, okay. you know, but still, there was like 500 families when we got there. Yeah. I mean, I, my opening line in my act used to be, I, I grew up in Indiana. I went to an unusual congregation, B'nai Hoosier. And, uh, you know, my, uh, my bar mitzvah was the Moose Hall in Indianapolis yeah. and all that stuff. And, was and, it? Yeah. And <laughs> it's just um, – uh, it was weird. It was weird. I mean, you felt the anti-Semitism. Uh, you did? Oh, yeah, sure. But, I mean, how many families are we talking? How big was the congregation, you think? I don't I don't remember how many families. Because uh, there's definitely Midwestern Jews, Minneapolis, oh, yeah. Indianapolis. I mean, there's St. definitely— St. Louis has a ton as sure. well. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. Oklahoma, you know, uh, uh, Tim Blake Nelson, the actor. Really? Oklahoma Jew. Oklahoma. Yeah. We used to have—you drive through um, Terre Haute, Indiana, mm. where Indiana State is, and there was the Berkowitz Luggage Shop. And I'm like, well, how did they end up in freaking— Terre Haute, Indiana. You always wonder about. Yeah. Stuff, well, what's you know? your what's your real name? Uh, Berkowitz. So you didn't know them? Uh, no, didn't know them at all. So some more Berkowitzes. More, well, uh, Tim Blake Nelson told me once that there was a, a service provided, you know, that they spread Jews out. That, <laughs> no. You know, that people, immigrants would come Seriously. and to to avoid, you know, the the mass killing or the or the the sort of uh, ghettoization. Like they, they didn't want all the Jews in one place in case. You know, really, the shit went down. So they they kind of found Jews places and spread them out. I had no idea. I forget what the service is called, and I can't remember why. Because I think it was before World War Two. Before you know, World War II. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, and so because his people have been there for a while, they're oil people. But but they were aware that you know if you get everybody in one place, it's easier to kill them. Oh my God! What a theory, you know. Well, it's <laughs> like, true. It's true. It works, you know. Right? It has, right? has for centuries. So, so uh, what are you doing in Indiana? Uh, so, did you, did you go to you went to you, well, you know Elliot came from Hebrew school. Yeah, now? from uh, yeah, we went to the same confirmation class. Yeah, at our synagogue. Yeah. So that's a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I we grew up together basically. I we went to Sunday school together. Did, was when? How long was he playing trumpet? Uh, for, for as long as I know. No kidding. Yeah, and he and a friend of ours, Bob Perlstein, uh, uh, plays uh, fiddle. And I mean, I had a lot of very talented. My brother. Uh, was Marvin Hamlish's conductor for 10 years, was on the road, played for Liza for years. Uh, Holy shit, yeah. you're just like this scrappy comic guy. <laughs> I you're, know. You're, you're, you did what you could, I guess. I, you know, the best I could to make a living. You so, know? But like, was that the plan from early in life? I, I uh, grew up watching The Ed Sullivan Show. And right. said, okay, I'd see, you know, Jack Carter or Alan King. And I said, you know, that that's a cool. I, I, how do I yeah, get the to guys do that? Who, well, Jack, uh, Alan King was the guy who, you know, was the first kind of middle class. Yes. Out of the, out of the sh you know, the Lower East Side Jewish guy. Dressed very dapper. Yeah, yeah. You know, smoking a cigar. And there yeah. was something very cool about him. And sure. I, I loved his act. And so. Survived you, by his survived The best routine ever. Yeah, yeah. And so. uh the question is, how do you get into show business in, in Indianapolis? Mm. And so um, I found Johnny Carson on Who Do You Trust? I would come home from school, and at 3.30 on the ABC affiliate, I'd turn on Who Do You Trust? And there yeah. was Johnny Carson. Right. And I became obsessed and found out that he started as a magician. I thought, well, if Johnny started as a magician, maybe I can start as a magician. So you were you were obsessed with Johnny before he was even a host of The Tonight Show? Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. He I just had a thing, that I'll guy. I'll tell you an interesting story. Uh, but he, he He's a Nebraska guy. He's from, yeah. Yeah. And, and as, you know, Cavett is. Yeah. And so. So 
um, I started taking up magic. There was a magic club at our junior high mm. and, and started doing magic. And before I knew it, I was doing birthday parties. Right. And, uh, and you were what, 15, 14? Uh, I was like uh, 13. Yeah. And there was a guy who came you were in. that kid. Yeah, I was that kid. <laughs> I was that pain in the ass kid. And and so uh, there was a guy who came in town. He, he called himself Dante. Dante Magic said. Okay. Yeah. And he, I found out, did research, that he was an insurance salesman who liked magic and came up with his Dante Magic set. Yeah. So somehow I found his number. He lived in Rochester, New York. Yeah. There was no Nexus, Lexus, or no sure. computers, nothing. Sure. And so. Um, uh, I call his house and I say, hey, my name is Mark Berkowitz. I'm a magician. Yeah. Can I be the spokesperson for the Dante Magic set? And he said, hey, kid, you can do whatever you want, but I'm not paying you. Yeah. And I said, great. Uh, <laughs> so he said, do you want me to uh, send you some some kits? I went, yeah. So he sent them to me. And now I'm calling. Now, back in the day, there were children's shows on every station locally. And I call up every station. I said, my name is Mark Berkowitz. I'm the national spokesperson for the Dante Magic set. Can I come on and it was show? A, it was a, a box of, like uh, with several tricks yeah, in it? Yeah, it was tricks in it. Yeah, yeah. And so I started getting on all these kid shows. And I did this one called uh, Popeye and Janie. At the end of my first appearance, she said, do you have any more tricks? And I said, yeah. So th- I became a regular at like age 14 on a local kid show. And my mom used to go nuts because she'd have to pick me up at 3.30 from the junior high and schlep me to the other side of town. And you're moving magic kits for Dante? Yeah. That's what I was trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you probably did, but you got nothing. Uh, not a penny. Not a penny. But isn't it ironic or not ironic? I think I get uh, uh, serendipitous that you, your biggest uh, career platform to date was a kid show. Yeah, I know. Isn't it bizarre? Huh? Wow. Well, and you know, soup. My mom was from Toledo, Ohio, and yeah. so I grew up with Soupy Sales on sure. WXYZ in Detroit. Yeah. So I would have breakfast with Soupy, and then I would have lunch with Soupy, and I was obsessed with Soupy. And so I, I, I became, was, a, I was a little, I'm, I'm younger than you, but like I, I knew Soupy Sales. You he know, was and amazing. I, and he so, was. uh, I, 1976, I become a regular at the Comedy Store, and Soupy is headlining the main room. In 76. 76. And I had a uh, a book that I had bought that he yeah. had written 100 years ago. And I went backstage yeah. trembling and, and had him sign it. And uh, we became best friends. Every TV show I've ever done, he's been on as a guest uh, in some form or fashion. Uh, and and we, we were inseparable. He was kind of hip. Uh, he was way ahead of his time. Yeah. Okay. But Subi's problem was if he made $100, he'd spend 300 Sure. And so he was always... Sort of wanting for dough, but so it so it was from it was show business from from early on. Yeah, uh, so we had the uh, nineteen what the hell was sixty seven International Magic Convention in Indianapolis. God knows why. Yeah. And I'm walking down the street, and this guy stops us, uh, and he goes, uh, "Hey, how do I learn magic?" And I said, "Well, why do you want to know?" And he says, "Because I want to learn." It. I said, "What do you do for a living?" He said, "I'm a disc jockey." I said, "Here's the deal: you get me on the radio, I'll teach you magic." Yeah. So the next thing I know, nothing better than magic on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> the kind of act I did, it would have worked. And, and uh, next thing I know, I'm doing weekends, WBMP uh, in Elwood, Indiana. No magic, just uh, talking. Uh, just talking, 6 to 11. How on old weekends. are you? I'm um, 15. I'm playing like uh, Montavani and 101 Strings and Sinatra and Tony Bennett. So you just got a playlist. I got a playlist and I played it. And, and I had were to you change. talking? I was talking, but I wasn't allowed to be Mark Berkowitz because the station manager was anti-Semitic, so I became Mark Vaughn. And uh, Vaughn. Th- where I got that name, I have no idea. And uh, I'm a German the, fella. The, <laughs> the guy who was driving me up lost his job. So now my parents were going to schlep me up, so I lost the job. <laughs> Guess who took my place on WBMP and uh, Dave Letterman? Come on. Dave replaced me. As a, as a jockey. As, yeah. Why is it in, in some of your press it says you were going to be a rabbi? Was that just a passing thing? Uh, after I was bar mitzvahed. I was on stage, and I thought, wow, this is like performing. This is like the coolest thing in the world. Uh-huh. And so I thought, okay, maybe this is what I'll do. And so I became obsessed with it. Had it. nothing to do with God. No, 
No, it was all about these two Jews going to bar. And so I, I was doing Jackie Mason before Jackie Mason. Right. And um, I, I, I was confused because then I started to get into radio and TV and theater in, in uh, junior high and high school. And uh, Rabbi Weissman, who was the assistant rabbi on our show. He had a Weissman, uh, on our, huh? Uh, yeah, uh, on, our, on our synagogue. Yeah. Rather, I, I rode my bike over there and I said, can I talk to you? He said, yeah, sure, about yeah. what? I knew he had majored in radio and TV before he became a rabbi. And I said, uh, yeah. I, I thought I wanted to be a rabbi, but now I think I may want to perform. And he said, well, why do you want to be a rabbi? And I said, because I want to help people. And yeah. he said, well, here's the deal. As a rabbi, you, you help a small amount a lot, but on in show business, you can help a lot of people a little. So I chose the showbiz route and uh, it was- But it's so funny. He was a failed show business guy. Yeah. <laughs> Most people are. I know. You know? But, all right, so so you get this. So you didn't know Letterman. Oh, I knew Dave. We played racquetball together. But before the radio gig, you knew him? No, I didn't know. I didn't meet him until the comedy store days. Okay, so you okay, so you get you, you lose your DJ job. Yes. So when did you move down here? How old were you? Uh, I came out in 1973. I went to Graham Junior College with Andy Kaufman and uh, Paul. What? Yeah. Graham Junior College? Where yeah. the hell is that? In Boston. Uh, where in Boston? Uh, Kenmore Square. I went to BU. I know Kenmore Square. Come on. When did you, when were you at BU? 80, uh, 82 through 86. So long after you, but I mean, yeah. but I mean, I know Kenmore Square. Is that how long, is that college gone? It, it, it disappeared soon after. It started in <laughs> the 50s and it went out of business. Okay. Okay. So, so Kaufman so, was there? Uh, so uh, Paul Fusco, who created ALF, Bertu Brow, who created Sally, Jesse, Raphael, and Jerry Springer, and Andy Kaufman, all were in the same arena as as me. It was like a school for misfits. None of us wanted to go to college. We just wanted to play showbiz. And you had your parents with a little money. Yeah. So, right. you know, it worked out. Yeah. And so I'll tell you a story about Andy. Uh, Andy had graduated uh, a year before I got there. Yeah. And so um, I, I knew him uh, through other people. And, uh, what does that mean? He, I, I was working at the Sheraton Hotel. Yeah. Okay. And I was working the front desk. And Steve Allen was staying there. Yeah. And uh, Andy said he knew Steve Allen. <laughs> and I got into a disagreement with Andy at the front desk trying to get a hold of Steve Allen and all this kind of stuff. Uh -huh. So Andy and I always were like... Did he know oh, Steve Allen? He got up there. But Andy could do anything almost, right? You know? And, and so uh, Andy got permission to come back to our school and yeah. shoot the original version of Andy's Funhouse. Okay? okay, yeah. So I'm directing. I'm supposed to direct the show. I've yeah. been selected to do it. And there's a million kids crawling around. Uh, Andy has no control over anything. Yeah. And the next thing I look on the psych, you know, here's this beautiful white cyclorama that costs a fortune, and there's kids with chocolate cake putting their hands in their cake. And, yeah. and I said, Andy, for the love of God, we're going to start now or I'm out of here. Yeah. And he said, well, I can't do that. So I walked off the freaking set. Oh, wow. And Ron Seidel, who was our TV teacher, ended up doing it. Uh, and then, you know, I would run into Andy out here at the improv. And some nights he'd say, hey, Mark, how are you? I'm yeah. fine. And we'd sit and have dinner. And then I'd come in the next night and he'd say, uh... Do we know each other? Uh, Have we met? I go, you know, Andy, I don't want to play this game. Man. Yeah. He was nuts. Yeah. He was nuts. And <laughs> I, uh, I, I just, I never got it. Okay. Mm. I'm going to tell you. I, I never thought he was funny. Quite honestly, I thought his career was over with when, you know, the whole thing happened on SNL and all that stuff. I, I, I don't think he was going to be able to crawl his way back. But, yeah. Uh, when he did the wrestling stuff, I thought it was totally stupid. And there were people, I just went to Bud Friedman's, uh, you know, memorial service. You did? Yeah. And everybody was standing up talking about Andy like he was Jesus. So yeah. I don't know. No, I mean, I, I, I think that special he did at Carnegie Hall is really something. Yeah, it was, it was amazing that he pulled off what he pulled off. Yeah, you know? and, and like, you know, like I don't know that I always got it either. Yeah, but you know, he did carve out a space, and people have tried to occupy that space to, you know, some better than others. But I, I think that the space he carved out was important to comedy. 
I guess at that time it was, and and it, it kind of worked. The sad part about it is I stay in touch with his family from time to time. You do? They wanted to, yes, uh, nephews. And, yeah. And, and uh, he was gifted with a uh, star in the Walk of Fame, but they can't raise enough money to, to pay for the damn uh, thing. You know? Wait, where's Zamuda? Where's yeah, the, where's Zamuda, right? Where's Zamuda when you need him yeah. with this? Stealing uh, the other character and yet, uh, you know. Don't get me started. He's he's sitting in wherever in Reno as as uh, Tony. I'm I'm at the big room and and watching in Tony Clifton room? and uh, I'm sitting next to Will Schreiner and Will Schreiner says, "You know who that is, don't you?" And I said, "Who?" He goes, "That's Andy." I said, "Andy who?" He goes, "That's Andy Kaufman." I went, "There's no way that's Andy." Yeah. I and I didn't buy it initially. That, well, that was oh oh you, with you the original one. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, Zamuda was doing it long after oh, Andy's dead. Still and, doing it. And there's still people saying like, you know, Andy's back. Andy's it's still like, alive. Yeah. How, there's nobody that gives a shit. Anymore. Nobody knows who anybody is anymore. Okay? That's true. All right, so you come down here, like, uh, when? After 70, college. Yeah, so I came out here in 73. You, you're starry-eyed, and you're like, I'm going to fucking L.A. I right. Get, I just, uh, you know, I just lost a job on Andy's show in college. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so, so you, I got a job as a page at CBS Television City. But what's your intention? Had you done stand-up? I had. Uh, I was a professional magician. That was it? That was it. And Were I you was good? Gonna, uh, I was really good. Sweet hand? Yeah, I was good. Small I was stuff. playing the Magic Castle. Any live animals? Base. Live animals? No, I didn't do that All stuff. Right. And so I was, I was playing the castle. Yeah. And uh, figuring- I know a guy at the castle does close-up magic, pulls a rabbit out of his head, uh, <laughs> out of his hair. Are you serious? Or maybe it's a bird. I don't know. <laughs> Something, some it's animal. A, Andrew Goldenhurst. You know Andrew Goldenhurst? I've heard the name. I He's don't know something. him. Yeah. All right, go ahead. So, so you're at so the Magic I, Castle. So I'm at the Magic Castle, and um, I uh, there was a place called uh, The Laugh Stop in Newport Beach, and I was opening for Gallagher, okay? Oh, and Gallagher says to me- Fucking monster. He says to me- I was still Berkowitz. He goes, hey, Berkowitz, you're an asshole. Yeah. And I said, why is that? He goes, uh, how much are they paying you to open for me? And I said, 150 bucks. He goes, yeah, that's why you're an asshole. I said, why? And he says, because you do those stupid card tricks and those uh, ropes and things. If you just did stand-up, you'd get 300 bucks. And I went, really? He goes, yeah. He said, you're a novelty act. So, uh, <laughs> the guy with the hammer said. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was actually Gallagher who got me to stop doing magic and start doing stand-up. But was that Gallagher pre-hammer? Uh, uh, yeah, I think so. Right about yeah, yeah, that yeah. time, and so uh, so I started doing stand up and became a regular store at seventy six. I was doing warm ups on. So you wait. So you you drop the magic. You put. But so you already had one liners in place for the magic. Yeah, I was I was co- doing comedy and magic. You know, so, it was Carl Ballantyne. What so, can I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, you're thinking ahead, right? So you got to go audition for Mitzi or yeah, what? Yeah. In in seventy six, seventy six, and by at that time there were only twenty five or thirty people standing in line. Now there's twenty five thousand people who stand in line. What to, oh to be auditioned? Yeah, on Monday nights. Well, she's dead. So I know. Yeah. But uh, nobody had the heart to tell her. But uh, <laughs> for a long time, <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> but uh, but because like you know the guys who were there in seventy three. I mean that that's really the prime time. I was at Dave and Robin and Jay and and Shanling. I had just become a regular, and and Dave calls me and tells Letterman calls me and says we're doing a meeting at my house. You need to show up for okay. the. For the uh, first meeting of the strike. Okay. Oh yeah. So I'm I'm shitting my pants because I'm thinking, well, I just became a regular. I don't know what to do. So yeah. I didn't show up. Right. And then Dave calls me and says, "You're either with us or against us." I went, wow. Oh, Jesus. So next night I'm out there with a picket sign. So it's Letterman and and Andreessen and Andreessen and Lana, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mar- you know, was Mark? Yeah. I don't know if Mark was so much. It was all the guys who were regulars. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was the thing about Shanley crossed the line and people yeah. didn't want to talk to. Him. It was nuts. It was and Argus crossed the line uh, because he lived in uh, Mitzi's vagina, uh, as did many other people. But uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you want a list? Uh, I you do. are the only. Two people I do who didn't get to that I spot. Well, I, by the time I got there, she was, you know, uh, pretty, pretty old. And well, I did don't... did you go to her her uh, service? No, because when Polly got up, 
he started pointing out people, you screwed my mother, you screwed, I mean, it oh, was like great. the most insane thing I've ever uh, seen in my entire life. Great. But uh, I've grown to appreciate Polly, and I'm friends with Peter, and I love the place. I'm there every night. Dude. Are you, you really? Oh, I love it. I haven't been in there and in years. I, uh, I, you know, I work out there every night. It's my home club, and I love the history of it, and I, and I love uh, that we can make, look, dude, I, 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 there's only a few people that I could show that to that would give a shit. Oh, my. How did you get that? Well, Binder did the doc, and, you know, we oh were over my. there, and he, we were shooting in her office, and it was on the floor, her driver's license, so no. I picked it up, and I had to tell Peter I had it. Oh, my. And, and he's like, okay, you can have it, but I might need it. And I'm like, no problem. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, I, look, one of the biggest uh, thrills I get is drive by once a year and see my name on the wall. Okay, I mean, that's still- it's Still up there? Did uh, they yeah. move it? Uh, I don't know if they might have been by in the last couple of years, but may, maybe they did. Okay, so okay, so you auditioned for Mitzi. How'd that go? Uh, I got a, I became a regular on the first thing. Yeah. Okay. And so I was a regular for about three years. And Were you living at the place? You living out here? I was, going... No, I was living at the place. Yeah. Uh, I was with a guy by the name of uh, Ellis Levinson, Glenn Super, Mark Glenn Sheffler. Super, I remember. Yeah, uh, died way too young. Yeah. And um, not too long ago. Uh, it's been about ten years now. Wow. Prostate cancer. Yeah. No shit. And so, um, yeah, I was there. I lived there, and and uh, you it's know, great. the best part would be at one o'clock in the morning you'd go to there was a place called Theodore's, and you know every comic, you know Jay and every yeah. day we'd all sit there till yeah. three in the morning. Yeah. Uh, and as I was going home, my wife was getting up, going to work. You know, I mean, I was living. So you're that married life. already? Yeah, I, I've been married forty eight years now. Yeah. She put up with all this shit. She did. You know what? Um, I was having a hard time making a living. The warm up I hated. As a magician? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that. And um, <laughs> so I got a chance to write on a show called Crosswits for Ralph Edwards Productions. I remember that, yeah. And um, But I had this gig uh, booked at the Housewards show in uh, Chicago doing magic at a, a pots and pans place. Yeah. And they were going to pay me a thousand bucks for two days. Well, that was like dying to go into heaven back then. And so I get this gig uh, writing on Crosswitz and the guy said, you start on uh, Monday. And I go, well, I got a problem. He said, what's that? I said, I'm going to be in Chicago doing the housewares show. Yeah. And he goes, what, what do you mean? And I said, well, <laughs> I'm a magician and that's how I made my living and I'm going to be doing uh, tricks to bring people to the table so they can sell their pots and pans. Yeah. And he said, you need to make a decision. Yeah. You're either a performer. You're either with us. Or, yes, or, or you're against <laughs> us. Or you're a writer. <laughs> yeah. So, and it was 600 bucks a week he was offering me, yeah. which I'd never seen in my life. And I went home to my wife and I said, I got a, a tough decision to make. So what's that? I said, I know you want to buy a house. Yeah. And I get that. Uh, we could do that if I take this gig for 600 bucks a week. But I've got this thing in <laughs> Chicago. And she said to me at the time, um, you always talk about doing stand-up and you always talk about going to the comedy store, but you haven't gone. Here's the deal. Don't take that writing job. But if you don't work your ass off doing stand-up and writing and, and going into that stuff, you're in big trouble. And so I said, I'll do it. So I called up, uh, Bruce Bellin was the guy's name. And I yeah. said, Bruce, I ain't taking the gig. Have a nice life. Uh, and I started my- And you went to Chicago and did the housework? did the housework show and came back and started writing. Uh, and started putting my act together. Jokes, yeah. Writing jokes with with Glenn and with Ellis and uh, a friend of mine, Lee Maddox. So you were there too when Freddie died and everything? Yeah, that was nuts. I mean, that was the thing that you figured this is a career that's going to explode. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all the crazy stories with him. And uh, it just was, yeah, well, you know, Alan could tell you that story better than I no, can. No, I told you. I talked to Alan. Yeah. Uh, yeah but uh, but so who else is at the store at that time? In '76, what you know? You, what are you seeing uh, every, every? What am I seeing? So Dave's there. Jay's, Jay's still there, there. Jay's there like crazy. Uh, Pryor. A uh, Pryor would come in. Yeah. Uh, and to his stuff, that was magical. I mean, to go and watch him, you know, three nights yeah. a week was was unbelievable. Uh, Charlie uh, Fleischer. Fleischer was yeah. there. He and then he got you know uh, 
What? Uh, the, the cartoon thing. Roger Rabbit. You got Roger Rabbit, you know. Too the, big for the room. Yeah. Oh, man, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, and was so- Was Binder there? Binder was there. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, you know, and Argus, who's still there, which, you know- I see Argus all the time. I see him every night. Every you know? night. It's crazy. And I I think he's wearing the same suit. <laughs> you think I'm kidding? No, I, you know, I, I believe, I just remember one of the lines from his joke, I'm from Oklahoma, uh, our street signs say mosey and don't mosey. I don't yeah. remember that line from his He might throw that in occasionally. <laughs> Jesus. You know, and, and, and Bursky did say one thing when I listened to that podcast with you, uh, was that he said, you know, most people looked at the comedy store as a career and he knew it was just a stepping stone. Uh-huh. And I think he needed to know that, that it wasn't the the, the be all kind of thing. Well, um, that's what Jay told Binder. He says, you're working at the store to, to not work there anymore. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I auditioned for the Murph Griffin show, you know, 24 times, never got on the show. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I'll tell you a funny story. I never told the story. Um, a friend of mine, Bert Dubrow, was a producer on the Mike Douglas show. Yeah. And he calls me up. He's, I had just done a, a, a videotape at the Magic Castle in 1974. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it cost me a fortune. And I was working as an idea man on Truth or Consequences. The last year, Bob Barker hosted it. Pitching? And, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. And Barker came and uh, uh, introduced me on this tape. Yeah. So I put this tape together, sent it to Bert <laughs> Dubrow. Can you do me a favor? Yeah. So yeah. You want to see it. I know you want to see it. <laughs> But I mean, just like you had to ask Bob Barker to help you out. Yeah, I did. I did. But I had, you know, I had the balls to ask him. And would he you did shoot it. it in the studio? Uh, no, uh, he came to the Magic Castle uh, okay. and and did an introduction and did such a good introduction. I didn't know who was going to walk out because it certainly could have been me after all the nice stuff he yeah, said. But yeah. so I did that. Sent it to uh, Bert, and Bert says. Uh, I'm going to book you on the Douglas show. I said, that's amazing. He said, I'm going to get uh, uh, David Brenner to introduce you. Oh, yeah. my God, it's amazing. Yeah. So I said, when? He goes, I'll call you. So a week goes by, he doesn't call me. Yeah. second week goes by, he doesn't call me. third doesn't call me. And I keep calling, and, and I don't get any phone calls back. So I see that Brenner's going to be on The Tonight Show. Yeah. And this is long before 9-11. So I walk into NBC. You could walk into NBC, sure. okay? And I walk backstage at The Tonight Show, and I knock on Brenner's door. And he goes, Yeah. And I said, hi, my, my name is Mark uh, Berkowitz, and, and I'm a stand-up comic, and you're going to introduce me uh, on the Mike Douglas show. He goes, first of all, I have no idea who the hell you are. Right. He said, you do stand-up? He yeah. said, for who, your bubbies and zadies? I've never heard of you. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, i got to do a set. Uh, can you stick around after the show? I'll talk to you. So I said, yeah. So he did that show. I came back, knocked on the door. He said, uh, yeah, first of all, I have no idea who you are, so yeah. I would never introduce you. Yeah. Uh, I, and he said, the reason Bertu Browse isn't calling you back is he got fired. That's why he's not calling you back. <laughs> and so I had to find out from Brenner that my friend got fired and you know and so you know welcome to show business 101 all these promises yeah. and you know nothing was happening so but you're doing but are you like back then 76 so there's no real comedy clubs are you doing the, the opening from bands and that kind of shit uh i opened for the bay city rollers at the santa monica civic auditorium there you go yeah that was a pretty amazing game s-a-t-u-r-d-a-y night yeah and they had the whole green m&m things and the boone farm backstage and all that stuff and the guy said to me you're doing 12 minutes if you don't do the full 12 minutes i ain't paying you and so so, you know, I went out there and said, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the, you know, the comedy and magic of Mark Berkowitz. You did uh, yeah. magic? Yeah, I did magic for the Bay City. Well, David Copperfield is a friend, had done magic in New York. And I called David and he said it was the worst experience he'd ever had. <laughs> so How are you going to do close-up magic at an arena? No, I wouldn't do close-up magic. I was doing like, you know, kind of big stagey stuff. Do you have you a know? lady in a box? Uh, but I brought people up from the stage. Okay. But I said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, the Bay City Rolls are about to uh, come out. And they go, yeah. And I said, but, you know, first I need somebody to come up on stage. Get the f- 
Oh, that's oh, yeah. it. You know, screaming yeah, yeah. at me. I'm out there, and I think I'm doing, you know, I've been out there for 20 minutes. So I look over, and, and and the guy shows me like three minutes. I got to yeah. do another nine minutes. Oh, my so God. So 12 minutes, uh, yeah. I, it was like hell. And I remember being uh, escorted off stage by Steve Ristmiller from Wolf Ristmiller Concerts. Yeah. He said to me, uh, you're the first act they didn't throw something at. So uh, <laughs> Oh, good. So you held their attention in <laughs> I held a way. Enough. And, you know. Got but when, do, when does it, like, so you're really kind of hammering away. And the dream was to be... Johnny Carson. Yeah. And you never did Carson. I never did. I did Jay, but I didn't do Johnny. And that, that Jay was not great. But it, <laughs> <laughs> it's never gone away. And uh, Well, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing because as a comic, I know right when you fucked up. And Where did you, you think I fucked up? I didn't fuck up at all. He fucked up. No, he was, he was, he was out of asshole. his mind. No yeah. doubt. No doubt. I thought it was amazing. But what happened was, is that being a fan of people, right? Yeah. And watching that show yeah. and being out there as this, you know, guy that no one really knows, right? Right. Is that, you know, you assume this familiarity. But ultimately, the only thing that, the, the thing that was fucked that got him off was like, you didn't know him well enough to take that shot at him. Oh, that's what he thought. Yeah. And, and so that's where it fucking went south. I don't know. You know, Jay called me the next day. You know, what happened between you and Jay? And I said, uh, you know, I've been trying to get on The Tonight Show my entire career. I looked at him as a heckler at the comedy store and I wasn't letting him gonna, you know, screw up my life. So, you know, to hell with him. Well, no, it was, it was a legit shot. It was. But, but if Dom DeLuise had done it. Oh, it would have been totally different. Right. Yeah. That that But that was the whole thing, because I've had that issue with guys, where, you know, it was a lesson I learned, you know, when I upset Colin Quinn, you know, uh, and I don't think he's ever forgiven me for it. Really? Yeah, because, like, you know, like, I admit for Quinn, and I knew him in New York, kind of, and yeah. we had dated the same woman. I married a woman he used to date, whatever. But that was this was before that. And he, he was doing, like, his first one-man show, right? And it was at the Comedy Cellar, and he's like, yeah, I'm doing this one-man show. And I said, like, you don't know, you have, have what it takes for the road anymore, huh? Oh, my. And he just bit his knuckle, <laughs> and he said, you don't know me well enough oh, oh. to say that. And, but, and, and it landed. But no, no, I'm but not. But comics I, are crazy. you got to admit. Of course. I, but I thought it was amazing that, like, you were not going to let him fuck up your Tonight Show. That Burt Reynolds was, he wanted to punch you. He did. He did. When he hit, hit me with the, the cup, he hit me really hard. Okay. Right. And like he's just, he's in this weird struggle where it's like, I want to fucking. Yeah. Kill and, me. But he knows he's on TV. Yeah. And he, like he was honoring the sort of code of entertainer well, somehow. NBC thought I was going to sue NBC and this and that. They The attorneys came out afterwards and, you know, out of their minds. So the next day I'm, I'm at a, a, a gig and Steve Binder is a friend of mine, uh, is a producer and he yeah. says, um, uh, I know Bert's publicist. You want me to call him and see what Bert thought of the uh, show? And I went, <laughs> yeah. So he calls the publicist and he says, uh, Bert says I was a bottom feeder of show business and I yeah. didn't show the movie star any respect. Oh, yeah. He said. The movie star any respect. Yeah, but like, I mean, he was having his own problems, obviously. But oh, yeah. I loved that as a comic. I just, there was something about, it, was, it wasn't so much, because I just watched it for the first time today. Really? Yeah. So, so like, it wasn't, and I'm just responding to it like like it's new. And and there you were all by yourself, but you did not, you did not get off the horse <laughs> Not once. You, and, and you do like, you know, you, 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 there was something funny about trying to get back to the interview and you knew that, you know, this guy was volatile, oh, yeah. but you just, you rode this line and you held your fucking own oh, yeah. and uh, all the way up to where he literally punches you with a pie. Yeah. Like whoever did, you know, scrambled to get those pies yeah. out. That was really something. Well, that's, I'll tell you the story behind that. So, uh, But he you know, took a couple of good shots at you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like he's funny. Uh, oh, he can be. Oh yeah. He could, he could yeah, be. Yeah. <laughs> 
he made the the thing Milton, about my wife. Well, no, the Milton Berle joke. Oh, the Milton Berle. Too hip that for the room. Way too hip for the room. You and know? then he says, he uh, says, that stuff oh. must have worked great on Nickelodeon or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a funny line. I mean, oh, I, I got to give him that stuff. Sure, you know? for sure. But uh, the deal was, Jay, you know, couldn't beat Dave to save his life. He hadn't done the uh, the other thing yet, where you know he became number one. And so uh, the phone call came that he wanted to do something with pies. And then I got the phone call that Jay yeah. said, "I don't want to do that kind of stuff." Yeah. So the props were bought backstage. Oh, they were there. Already. They were already there. So if you go back and look at the tape, you'll see Jay look at the uh, stage manager show, get the pies. You oh, really? Yeah. It, well, that was the the one smartest thing he did. Yes. And so Jay came up with. So Bert knew that there might be pies. No, Bert had no idea. Huh. No idea. But I knew that. Then you know, this was what year? 1994. So how long had Jay been hosting the show? A couple of years. And and Bert looked good. It was th- yeah, you know, he was good. I mean, look, you take away the lifts and the hairpiece. Sure. You know, who knows what the hell? Yeah. See, uh, that was the attitude that got you fucked. <laughs> well, no, you know, no, it wasn't. Fuck him. <laughs> you know, the situation was my son when I got home said, "Dad, why didn't you pull his wig off?" I said, "I didn't want to go, you know, to you the bottom like him." <laughs> you know, I didn't want to be uh, that guy. Yeah, yeah. You, know, but, you just, uh, you just, uh, it was so funny because I knew exactly what what happened. In terms so of weird. where Wait, he your turned. whole life. And the way I got on the show was my publicist at the time handled Jason Alexander. And Jason uh, uh, was just off of Seinfeld. And you're, you're doing the, the Nickelodeon show. How long? Uh, I did Double Dare from 86 to 94. Oh, so this is the end of Double Dare. And, yeah. you, and like every kid in America knows you oh, yeah. from Double Dare. Oh, yeah. Like it's the biggest I show. I used to sell 20,000 seat arenas out and do the live show. Oh, yeah. Huh. I was touring. I was, so was this insane. is like, you know, you're about to transition into something else? Yeah. Or? I was doing a talk show on Lifetime at the time, too, as well. Okay. So you're a guy, but this is your shot. You yeah. didn't get it with Johnny. Yeah. And this is your Tonight Show my shot. my Tonight Show shot. Yep. Absolutely. 100%. And, you, and, you know, and you got to sit next to angry, grumpy pants, yeah, yeah. Burt Reynolds. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had been bumped three times. And uh, so they said, you're definitely going to get on. And the the limo picks me up at my house and gets a flat tire on the Ventura Freeway. And I thought, oh, Jesus, what's going on here, you know? Oh so I get there, and Jesus. it's like, you know, God doesn't want me to do this show. And so uh, uh, Bert came out, and he was supposed to do two segments. Yeah. I was supposed to be segment three. Carrot Top was supposed to be number four. And okay? he was going to do stand-up? Yeah, he was going to do stand-up. Yeah. And so uh, Bert was kicking ass, so they said, we're going to extend him. And they come backstage, and they say to me, sorry, Summers, we're bumping you again. And my publicist said, if you bump Mark Summers four times yeah. in a row, uh, Jason Alexander will never do this show again. So because ah, of that, show business. yeah, showbiz, yeah, uh, you know, uh, instead of Carrot they, Top, they stopped him. They, oh, uh, they kept. Oh, they just let you go. Let me go. And so Carrot Top got rebooked. Scott had to go home. Yeah, Scott had to go home. <laughs> it's all right. Listen, by the way, if you go to Vegas, you got to see his show. Okay, no, I know. I, I laugh my ass off. I, I, I thought he's fantastic. I went to when I interviewed him in Vegas. It was just like you know, I went to see the show, and I just like that. Like he, he, he used whatever money was available. The show I saw just, I think it started snowing for no reason. <laughs> In the, in the theater, and I'm like, is there a point to that? It's like you could do it. You know, they get the, it's so funny. Did he does he still open the thing with uh, all the animals schlepping each other? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> he's, I, I get weird uh, text videos from him occasionally. He's a funny guy. He's an odd dude. Oh yeah, he is. And he is, he, he is funny. Once again, comics. You yeah, know? I know, dude. They, see, they I used know. to call me the businessman comedian. Really? I was married. I, I'd come in in like you know a, a suit and tie. You know, everybody was wearing Hawaiian shirts and you know all this kind of stuff. I I took it like a gig. You know, like it was my job. Sure. But I mean, but like, let's go back and and talk about the theme of uh, you know God's got it out for you. <laughs> like, I mean, the minor situation, the 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 limo gets a flat. Yeah, yeah. But but going back, yeah. So as a comic, right? You had your dreams, but how do you end up 
you have that your break and your and your livelihood and your insurance and I'm sure what bought you your house and got your kids college. How did you get on that show? What and and then find uh, out that you know you've got all these mental problems. <laughs> Like the on double dare. Careful. Uh, <laughs> well, no, we all do. Comics. Yeah, Come comics. on, you want to use comics? <laughs> Honest to God. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine from Cape Town, South Africa, I went to college with, had a smoked salmon business. And he was the largest distributor of smoked salmon yeah. for the entire continent of Australia. And he was doing Herods of London. How do you know that guy? Uh, we went to Graham Junior College together. Wow, this place was some place. It was amazing. It's like a magic mystery. It was like the uh, Harry Potter school. for It, it was, <laughs> for people who were successful. Yeah. And so um, I, I was doing warm-ups on a bunch of shows that all got canceled. And uh, we had just bought a house that I couldn't afford. Out here? Was trying to, yeah, trying to send uh, my kids to camp that summer, and I was screwed. So I called up Lawrence in Cape Town and said, you have the greatest product in the world. Send me some. I'm going to see if I can sell it. Yeah. So You're going to be a salmon salesman. I'm going to be a salmon salesman. So the first place I go to is a place. I was all and you still doing spots at the store? <laughs> I was doing spots at the yeah. store. And, and so um, uh, I go to a place called Jillian's in Larchmont and I sell like three pounds of salmon. And I, I go to Three a- pounds. That was a- well, That was a starter that kit? That was a starter kit. You know, to give them a taste. To see if they like the yeah, stuff. Yeah, okay. Sure. And so I go to a, a pay phone because, yeah. uh, you know, and, yeah. and I, I wake Lawrence up in Cape Town and said, we made our first sale. Okay. And so I now say, send me more. And the more he sends me, yeah. every place I go into, I'm selling salmon and yeah. I'm kicking ass. Next thing I know, I get us into Price Club, okay? We're doing 80,000 pounds of smoked salmon a month at Price Club, and then I get her, get us into Trader wow. Joe's, okay? Yeah. So now I'm saying to myself, I guess show business is not going to happen. Yeah, this is a commission gonna, gig? Yeah, this is a commission gig, yeah. and I'm going to be a smoked salmon salesman. Sure, why not? Okay? And uh, friend Dave Garrison, who was a ventriloquist uh, in Indianapolis, had come out here, and he was trying to do – I was hosting Monday nights at the Improv, and I tried to get what, him – What, the, the, uh, like the sort of like amateur night? night? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, Dave calls me and says, uh, I just got called from some network I'd never heard of called Nickelodeon. They want me to come in on an audition for a game show. Yeah. Uh, why don't you go instead of me? Yeah. So I, okay. So uh, I went. They said, Dave Garrison. I said, Dave couldn't be here. My name is uh, Mark Summers. Can I you know, audition instead? When did you change your name? Uh, I woke up one morning and the son of Sam was David Berkowitz. My agent called me and said, I can't get you a job. Change your name. He said, nobody knows who you are anyway. And, and then Berkowitz I, is out. Is out. But you know, the most anti-Semitic people in show business are other Jews. And when I became Summers, I started to work. But yeah. that's all other story. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, I auditioned. Yeah. And I, I, I knew I did a good job. And I go to the payphone outside at a gas station, call my agent, Richard Lawrence. I say, Richard, I, I got this gig. And he goes, no, you don't. I'm sending 10 other clients. Uh, I wouldn't be so sure you're sorry. Yeah. Well, I got three callbacks. And I knew they were going to start shooting the end of September in Philadelphia, and uh, it was the weekend before Labor Day. And I always used to get the name and phone number of the casting director and the exec producer who was in the room. And I, Mike Klinghoffer was the exec producer, and I called him. I said, uh, yeah. why haven't uh, I heard from you? Yeah. It's funny. We were just talking about you. It's between you and another guy, but we yeah. can't decide who we should hire. Who's the other guy? Uh, to this day, I don't know. Yeah. The rumor was uh, that Dana Carvey was offered the job first, yeah. but got Saturday Night Live the same week. So thank God for that. But I like that you're always in really good company. I, I am. Yeah, <laughs> I, I never quite got there. I'm always I'm, I'm playing AAA baseball my entire career. But not, nonetheless, um, uh, he said uh, we don't know if you're good with kids. I said I have kids. He goes, yeah, that means nothing. I said I used to do magic shows for kids. He said it's irrelevant. So I came up with the idea. I said, why don't you put us both in a room with kids, play the game, let the best man win. He said, yeah. I'll call you back. An hour later, he said, we're flying in New York over Labor Day weekend. We're going to put you in a studio with kids and see what happens. Yeah. So I did the audition. Uh, I left. Whoever the other person was does the audition. How'd you do with the kids? I, I kicked ass. I yeah. knew I was going to. 
And so I had been writing game shows and, and hosting so many things. I knew I was great at it. Like and, what? Uh, you know, well, doing warm-ups is the best sure. prep for anything. And sure. I was the king of warm-ups. I did more warm-ups than almost anybody than Bob Perlow. And, and so I was- You were the warm-up guy. I was the warm-up guy. Star Search, Alice Webster, what's Come on, everybody, let's go. That's nice what, round of applause. There now, you let go. me hear a little bit of applause. But you could make a fortune. I was making six figures. Sure, and you're, it's a union knew. gig. Yeah, it was a union gig. Yeah. And that's my pension is sure. a lot of that stuff. So- um, so anyway, uh, they called me two days after the audition. They said, uh, you got the job. And I said, I know you auditioned 1,000 in New York and 1,000 in L.A. Why did you get the job? And they said, at the end of the other guy's audition, he looked at the camera and said, you guys want me to do something else? And you looked in the camera and said, we'll be back with more Double Dare right after this. And because I threw the commercial, I got the gig. Because I, I knew that's what you did. You didn't say, hey, is there anything else? You throw the commercial. Got to do the tease. Yeah, hell Yeah. <laughs> I was ready, man. I was ready. But here's the deal. I got that job. I was 34 years old. Yeah. If I would have had that audition when I first moved out here, I would have never gotten it because I wasn't ready. But no, but it wasn't what you wanted to do. Does it make any, any difference? I couldn't have done it. No, I get it. I but, wasn't but seasoned. You, no, sure. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to get an opportunity and, and be ready to have it. Yeah. But do you think you would have embraced that job? Seriously? I don't know. You know, it became... Uh, this massive part of my life, needless to say. No, I get it. But like, yeah. you know, I think of like things that, you know, you know, I, you know, when I was down on my luck, uh, you know, I got this gig because somebody misunderstood my disposition hosting this ridiculous game show for VH1 when they, when they were trying to rebrand it. Yep. And it was terrible. And it was an import of a, a British game show called Nevermind the Buzzcocks. I didn't quite understand the game. There was no stakes. It was a, It was really about improv and celebrity people. And it, it, it's a trivia-driven. Who produced it? Do you remember? Uh, Woody, Woody, Woody something. Woody Frazier? No. I forget the name of the, the, the company. But we did like 13 episodes, 12 episodes, right? It was when they were going to rebrand with me and Galifianakis. Oh, my. And that whole thing tanked. Oh yeah. Galifianakis was doing a talk show. And I was doing this Buzzcock show, and none of them even made it to air, really? and they don't even exist in the world. Come on, there's and not was, something on on YouTube. No, there really? was. I think there's a commercial, but there's no. It was. It's crazy, dude. And I was so happy because I I was broke. I just gotten through a divorce, and they, it paid, gave me like seventy five k and like seven suits. Sure, and I was set. Dying going but, to heaven there, man. But but it was, you know, it was so much something I didn't want to do that I had you know, like the worst diarrhea the entire shoot. <laughs> really? And I thought I was sick, but it was really just- You were just nervous. It was, it, no, it was going against everything I believed in, uh -huh. but I didn't see I had the choice yeah. because I was broke. Yeah, I've never been in that situation, but I understand what you're saying. But I'm, what I'm saying is yeah. this, that, you know, you wanted to do- you know, you wanted to be one of the guys. You wanted to host a show. So you, I think that it was earlier in your career and they said to you, you know, we, we want you to do a kid's show. The the odds of you saying, like, I don't know. Maybe. You yeah. know, here's what I realized quickly at the comedy store, that I wasn't that funny. Oh, wow. Okay. Good for you. Uh, I realized, you know, <laughs> well, it's true. I would watch Dave and Jay and Robin and Gary and all these people and go. Mule Deer? Uh, well, Mule Deer. Mule, Gary who? Uh, Shanley. Oh, okay. Uh, and I, I realized I, I didn't have it. Oh, okay. Okay. And, yeah. and I thought to myself, I'm good at being me. Yeah, right. But I'm not sure that I'm a kind of guy who can go out there and do, you know, material like that. And yeah. I, I had a strong 20 minutes. Right. I remember I had to play a college gig and do an hour. And yeah. it was like dying, 
you know, 700 deaths. Well, I brought the magic back on those gigs, you know? Oh, you did. I don't, did. don't tell me you desperately went to the bag. I went to the bag, yeah. you know, because I got booked. And, and at that time, I did need the money. Yeah. And so, you know, they were yeah. paying me, you know, whatever it was for a weekend uh, to just, go to uh, Tulane University yeah, in New Orleans. Listless freshmen because they, <laughs> they weren't old enough to drink watching you. <laughs> that's right. That's kinda, exactly it, man. Yeah. And so you do what you got to do, I guess, at times. But but I, I knew I was better at being me than doing stand-up. And, and the hosting thing, like, well, that really trained you. Yeah, oh, it really did. To get know. an audience going. Yeah, and, and, and kids are kids. I remember once, I was doing warm-up on Soap, and Soap was the hottest show, and they used to bring... Now, I'm doing Soap. Next to me is Saget doing Bosom Buddies, and to the left of me, uh, Barney Miller and Letterman's doing the warm-ups on, on Barney Miller. Really? Because yeah. of Landisburg? Yeah. Uh-huh. And so, uh, um, Buddy Mora, his manager, yeah. says to me, I want to bring Dave over here, and, yeah. and he needs to watch you and know how to do a warm-up. And I said, <laughs> <laughs> don't do that, okay? Because Dave was Dave even then. Yeah. And I said, buddy, do me a favor. Get, don't I, don't bring me. I, this is my secret. Yeah, yeah. No. I I mean Dave was I was never yeah. gonna be Dave. Yeah, yeah. And and so uh you know, and from that one job became another job. You know, yeah. I replaced this is all stupid stuff. Gary Shandling was doing the warm ups on Alice and they didn't like him and I yeah. replaced Shandling on Alice, you know. Yeah, that really hurt his career, didn't it? Yeah. I mean No, uh, but I mean there are certain guys that cannot get out of their their disposition. Like, I can't see Gary doing warm-up. Oh, he like, must have been awful. Yeah, you know, because, like, so much of it is about getting a crowd going. Yeah, it's not about how's my hair. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, <laughs> making it about him. <laughs> Always. Everything's about him. You I know? know, I know. man was never happy a day in his life. Oh, it's okay. too bad. It, it, but he was amazing. When I was working Westwood... So funny, dude. He, uh, he, was, he was very funny. He used to be able to look at my act and tell me... He was a wordsmith. Yeah. Take this word out, move it over here. Yeah. He, he used to help me tremendously. The mathematics... But he was right every time. Oh, yeah? Yeah, every time. That's great. Yeah. All right, so you get this gig. Yep. And and now how does it unfold that you realize you have this problem? So you're talking about obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, how do you treat that? What are you on, meds? Uh, no longer. Uh, behavior therapy and medication oh, really? for a while. But uh, <laughs> that was a long time it's ago. Like, don't, don't, don't go check the gas. <laughs> That's kind of what it is. I know. You know yeah, it's of course. What it is. Cognitive therapy, like, and and so uh, we do the first sixty-five episodes, and the That's show explodes. Lot. So, so they, but this is like the show is like just chaos, right? It's, it's chaos, and and there's green slime and whipped cream and chocolate syrup and all and kids stuff. everywhere, kids everywhere. Yeah, and so I'm wearing uh, like a basically a three-piece suit, and yeah. I'm not wearing sneakers. I'm wearing penny loafers, yeah. okay, because I'm Mr. Conservative anyway. Right. And focus groups, show explodes. Now, at the time, UHF TV was still around. And uh, Facts of Life and Different Strokes were the number one shows until Double Dare starts. Yeah. And then Double Dare starts getting insane numbers. Yeah. And now on cable, if you get a point two, people go, oh my God, it's amazing. We were getting fives, okay? Wow. Not point fives. We were getting fives. That's, like, that's current network numbers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, and uh, on a snow day, forget about yeah. it. And so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Open for snow. There you go. Yeah. And and so uh, they do a focus group with the kids. The kids say, we really Mark like Mark. It's like, yeah. He's like our crazy uncle yeah, or, yeah. or this and that. But we want him to get messy. Uh -huh. okay? yeah. So the network it, says, you need to get messy. First of all, get rid of those penny loafers. Yeah. Uh, you need to dress a little cooler, a little hipper. Yeah. yeah. And, and you need to get trashed. Yeah. You got to get stuff on you. And I said, okay. Yeah. Because I waited my whole life to host something and get a permanent gig. Yeah. Not necessarily this show. So but the first 65, that's pre-mess. Pre-mess. Okay. You can look at those shows. I don't get it. I, I learned how to dodge that stuff. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. 
after that, it was all hell broke loose. Uh-huh. Okay. And so uh, I knew I had OCD, but I didn't know how bad I had OCD. Well, like, what, how did you know? Uh, when the kids would say, if uh, we do the obstacle course and win, can we uh, put you in the, uh, the, the, we had this massive swim, can we throw you in the pool or can we uh, slime yeah, you? Yeah. And I had to say yes to yeah. everything. But so, but how did you know you had OCD before? Like, what were, how did you Oh, well, it, it runs in uh, the family, first of all. Oh, yeah. Uh, in Ashkenazi Jews, it's uh, high predominance. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. Higher huh. predominance. Uh, amongst the people from Russia and Romania and Hungary. Uh-huh. Uh, New Zealand has the largest percentage of people with OCD. Uh, but they're not Ashkenazi Jews. Uh, but no, but the ones are really have it bad. Bad. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, I uh, grew up, basically I'd go to my grandmother's house in Toledo and my home yeah. vacation was cleaning. My job was to clean the woodwork and wash the windows. Because you volunteer for that? No, that's what the family did. They just cleaned 24-7, okay? That was my, when I get home from nursery school, yeah. I would yeah. clean with my mother, okay? I cleaned, it was insane. My dad's closet was like, you couldn't touch a thing. It was, yeah. Everything was perfect. And through the genes, I was the same way, except I hit it, okay? Uh, I used to do a joke about it, but then I, I guess it became insensitive about, like, because I said I have mild OCD. And, you know, I mean, the, there there is a, a benefit to OCD. Oh, yeah. That's why is it's that, successful, by the way. But, 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 but my joke was, like, every time you go back in and check the gas, every time it's off, you still get that same feeling. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> it's relief. True. You it's know? true. It's, I, true. it's like you can hit it every time. But know? OCD made me successful because it made me repeat things and, and go after things. And when I would call back, I would yeah. follow up and, 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 it, and it worked. But yeah, they started to trash me more and more and more. And then it became, uh, I want to get on the show because I just want to mess up Mark kind of situation. And so the the mess was bothering you? The the germs or uh, what no, was No, not it? the germs, the mess. Uh, being, have slime dripping yeah, from you, have yeah. whipped cream. It's sticky. You know, when, when you <laughs> get slimed and, yeah. and you think you got it all out of your hair, or yours, yeah. and then you do this in the middle of the night, and you go, and it's green, uh, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh my God. So it was the filth. It, it was the, the filth, yeah. yeah. I didn't like the, the not being- But was it uh, making you crazy? Um, not on camera. You know, I hate, you know, I hate social media anyway, but social media, you know, Summers hated every minute. He, he, he you know, hated Boone Double. No, I oh, had well, you talked th- about it on what, on Preston and Steve? Uh, yeah, and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. And, and you know what? I loved it. It was the greatest time of my life. I was making a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it changed my life. Yeah. I loved it. Did I like the fact that I had OCD and it, you know, internally made me nuts? No, of course not. But I wasn't giving up that gig, man. But did it get you into treatment? Oh, yeah. Well, no, the way I got into treatment, I was hosting a talk show on Lifetime called Biggers yeah. and Summers, and we had a doctor on, Dr. Yeah. Eric Hollander, yeah. who, uh, unlike many uh, talk show hosts, I actually researched the stuff the night before. Sure. And I was reading this stuff in my apartment in New York, Yeah. and I thought, oh, Jesus, I do that, I do that, I do that. I said, I think I have this. Yeah. So my decision the next day, we were live, is do I go on and pretend I don't have it, or do I come clean? Well, I admitted to Dr. Hollander live on the air, I think I have this. And he says, what makes you think you have it? And we go into this whole discussion. Well, the next thing I know, my first, my parents call up and go, why did you do that? Yeah. First thing. (laughs) What do you talk about? Yeah. We don't talk about those things. Through the family under the bus? Oh yeah. Big time. The cleanest house in Indianapolis. Oh, when I did Oprah, um, (laughs) uh, my parents, they weren't talking to me. They, they, so this became your thing. Oh, it, well. Would you write a book? You wrote a book. I wrote right? a book. You know, next thing I know, I'm on Howard Stern talking about it. About uh, OCD. I'm on, on OCD. I'm, You're the I'm, OCD guy. I was on, you know, but it's weird. Howie Mandel got a pass, okay? Makes no difference. His OCD is a thousand times worse than mine. He seems to have gotten better. Oh, please. No. <laughs> And the last time I what saw was the last him, time you were with Howie? I, not long ago. Oh. And, I, he, and I, I was very aware that he touched me. Oh, well, that's, you know, no, yeah. please. Right. It, 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 no. He's not good. No, it, it, <laughs> he's, 
Howie's Howie. I yeah, love him. He's the sure. best. I used to open for him. Yeah. It's called Stocks Two down in Orange County. Um, so, so anyway, uh, yeah, next thing I know, I'm in People Magazine, Howard Stern, Oprah Winfrey. I'm everywhere. Yeah. And, um, you know, parents stopped talking to me. And, uh, because you outed that OCD? Oh, yeah, yeah. We're not like that. Oh, we wow. don't do those things. Wow. And I went, oh, really? Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. call, call my brother and sister. Yeah. You want to, oh, wow. you want to get proof? Holy shit. You know, yeah. so that was a whole mishigash that we went through. But nonetheless, um, you know, I learned to deal with it. Yeah. And, um, you know, was my dream to do Double Dare and a kid's game show? No. And the, I think the reason the show was successful, besides it was a good show, was yeah. I never talked down to the kids. I never went, you know, Bobby, do you have a girlfriend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I treat, I thought I, I was playing Alex Trebek out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was screwing with him and yeah. asking questions, and they yeah. screwed back with yeah. me. And it worked, you yeah. know? I, I, I just found- And also it got you better yeah. in terms of yeah. OCD and the skill set. and. It was timing, you know? It was, it was right place, right time. And but how did that, did, was there a new career in, like, was it happening simultaneously that you were addressing the OCD publicly and with Oprah and everything else, or was it after? It was all during. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then this all culminated in your Burt Reynolds experience. Yeah. yeah. So it was actually a sign of recovery. In that many you, ways. That you embraced the pie. What a way to get recovered, huh? <laughs> National television. You took an angry pie from Burt Reynolds. <laughs> Boy, that was the angriest pie ever, man. It was, dude. It was. It's hard to watch. It, it is hard to watch. And NBC was scared to death. They just thought. Did you even think to sue? No, I'm not going to sue. What are you going to do? How are you going to make a case? Yeah. Yeah. Then you'll never work again. You know who? Who needs yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. So what, after that, yeah. What do you do? Well, you know, I was doing my talk show. Uh, on Lifetime. On Lifetime. Because it looks like you've done a lot of the hosting. Yeah, things. I did a lot of stuff. And then I uh, was hosting a show on History Channel called History IQ. Yeah. And, um, you know, one thing led to another until, until finally I hit the wall. We all hit the wall in our career at some Is point. Is this in the taxi? Uh, well, no, that was, uh, that. we'll get to that. Um, yeah. I was um, doing nothing, really. Uh-huh. Uh, warm-ups have dried up. Uh, nobody was calling me to- uh, And you're out here it. doing nothing. I'm out here doing nothing. Okay. And you were, had that show forever? And yeah. And I'm going, oh, Is money running out? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. And a guy I went to college with, Graham Junior College, Jay Hardigan, called me up and goes, uh, we have a production company. <laughs> oh, my in, God. Uh, the school saved my life. This is, this is what Emerson became? Uh, Emerson, like, yeah. The kids from Emerson used to come out and hang out at our, our studio because they weren't allowed to touch the cameras back then. Oh, they weren't allowed to touch anything. In Emerson. So, it, it Emerson. But at Graham, anything uh, We could do anything we wanted. <laughs> we, you know, we had two. So it was an art school. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and so um, he calls me and said, we're in the TV production business. We do commercials and we do political ads. Yeah. Can you get us in into TV? I went, I don't know. <laughs> so uh, they flew me out there and we had meetings. Yeah. And I pretended to know what I was talking about. I really had no idea. Yeah. And uh, through long chain of events, we met this chef by the name of Robert Irvine. Yeah. And we did a sizzle reel uh, for a show that started off as Dinner Impossible. Yeah. And I became the exec producer of Dinner Impossible. We oh, that was a big show. That was a big show. That guy, is he all right? He's all right. Okay. Yeah, he's good. And so we did 90 of those. And good then, guy? Good guy. Okay. And then we turned into uh, Restaurant Impossible, where I exec produced 150 of those. Uh-huh. And uh, part of the reason we were shooting in Philadelphia was uh, this little tax credit deal that we used to get uh, by shooting in certain states, they would pay you money back for- I love Philadelphia. Yeah, Philly. I lived there for 12 years. I loved yeah. it, loved it. And so, yeah, I became, an, I was I was hosting uh, Unwrapped on Food Network, which at the time, me and Emeril, like the number one and two shows- for Emeril many, built that network. He did. And they should have a shrine and put him on every Statue. day. He's the best guy ever. Nice guy. Oh, the best. And so he and I were- Bam! Yeah, yeah we're, we're, doing, uh, we're doing that. And then I became an exec producer. And uh, for the last uh, 10 or 12 years after uh, Unwrapped, I was on the road 
producing shows. I did the uh, Dinner Impossible, Restaurant Impossible show called Food Feuds. I did a bunch of stuff for him. Chefs uh, have issues as well. Okay. Yeah. I mean, look at Bourdain, you know? Yeah. Everybody thought he had the world by the balls. and. But oddly, you know, he wouldn't, you know, you, you, you know, you talk to him, mm-hmm. which I did, mm-hmm. you know, he, his, his experience as a professional chef, he really saw himself as kind of a hack. Yeah, I didn't think he was very good. Yeah, and it was that wasn't his bag. I mean, he was he made his you know his, when he wrote the book, changed yeah, his life. about about what being the kind on. of chef he was yeah. and what the kitchens were like. Yeah. And he was a heavy cat, man. Yeah, but he, chefs are heavy cats, and it's crazy business. And a lot of them are like you know they it's almost like comedy in that. You know, every time you make a plate, you know, every time you pull it off, you get that fucking jack, you know, that juice. Oh, yeah. They you know? love, love doing that. Yeah. And it's so engaged. Oh, my God. I mean, when I, it's the last job I had before comedy was just being a short order cook. Really? Where? At, just like at, in Boston. Really? At edibles. Yeah. And, oh, my God. You know, just eggs and pancakes and shit. But like every time you, you successfully flip an egg, there's a little, it's a little, a little juice in that, yeah. you know? But I always thought about like if comedy didn't work out and I had to bring a resume around, they're like, how come you haven't worked in 25 years? And <laughs> But like I, I remember one time so specifically having a meeting at HBO that yeah. went nowhere, uh-huh. and we met down in the restaurant at HBO, and I was looking at the guy behind the counter working the grill, and I was thinking, like, oh, I'd like to be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> what, was this in New York? No, here. Oh, here? Oh, my God. It's just like, why can't I just do that? Oh, my God. Yeah, those guys are intense, but they're some of my best friends. I mean, Bobby Flay, Michael Simon, these guys, uh, they're the best and amazing chefs. Yeah, yeah. I've talked to some of them. I've talked to, you know, Alex Cornicelli. I've talked to uh, My Conant. son produces her show. Oh, really? Yeah. Your son does? Yeah. He I love her. She's the best. And uh, Conant. I talked to Conant. Yeah, he's great. I went to his restaurant and he showed me how to make that spaghetti that uh, he makes. Oh, the best spaghetti in the world. It's But it's butter, dude. Yeah. Well, but it's always butter, man. I guess it is. Yeah, but Scott, Scott knows what he's doing. So everything's going good and then you get into a horrible accident? I'm coming back from a shoot of Restaurant Impossible, and um, it's raining, and I get in the cab. Uh, it, it was a it was a hellish plane ride, uh, bucking Bronco storms or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You land, you go, thank God. Yeah. I get in the cab. Uh, I was heading to the office in Philly, and the guy hydroplanes and takes me into a center divider uh, in uh, downtown Philly. And um, oh broke. I didn't know this until I saw <laughs> something on the news. I broke every bone in my face. Okay, my teeth were all over the place. Oh my! my God. I, I, I mean, there are pictures. It's 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 horrendous. And uh, I thought I was dead. And the other thing was, I'm never going to look like Mark Summers again. And you look good. Uh, the, 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 this plastic surgeon in Philly just un. Believable. Uh, I had one other operation after the first one because I had some eye issues. So, like, wait, did, did but no brain damage. Oh, that's you know debatable. Talk to my wife. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Um, no, there was a initially I lost a lot of memory. Okay. Yeah. I got hit so hard, and my wife would walk in the room, and I knew I was married to her, but I couldn't think of her name. I mean, that yeah. went on for a while. Yeah. Um, and you know, well, that must have been exciting. <laughs> Every time it was like having sex with a new woman. <laughs> but uh, it, it eventually, after about six, seven months, came back. And, uh, you know, I'm fine now. I have no feeling from here down, okay? like in your, From your nose yeah, down? Yeah, I, I don't feel any of that. Really? No. And so Never came back? Never came back. And so they said it's 50-50. So, like, when I brush my teeth, I have to look in the mirror because I'm not sure where the hell I'm at and oh, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Oh, wow. But, you know, I-, I How I, long ago was this? Uh, 11 years ago. Oh, now. wow. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, man. Yeah. So, I mean, between uh, OCD, cancer, and- uh, Wait, cancer? Oh, you didn't know how cancer what happened when did was you that? do your research come on i man. did but I, i'm just depending on i forgot I was hoping you'd get to it when did the cancer happen um 
I um, after the face thing, uh, the before cancer? the face thing, before the face. So you thing. got cancer, like you know, you're like, oh god, one thing after another. Well, yeah, you know, first you know you get over the OCD hump, which isn't you know a mental, it's a mental thing, it's not a you know yeah. serious uh, health issue. But um, I wasn't feeling good one night, and like how? Uh, maybe stomach, I'll have it. It's a severe stomach pain. So. Oh no, I don't have and, that. And uh, went to the doctor, yeah. and. Uh, they couldn't figure out what the hell it was, so they thought I had some blockage. So they said, we're going to go in and take a look. Colonoscopy uh, or endoscopy. Uh, something like that. And when they opened me up, I woke up. Oh, yeah, they did That's a different. major operation. Just they a look? 17 and a half inches of my small intestine came out because uh. it had cancer. And so I woke up, uh, not knowing, of course, yet that this had been the case. And um, What was going on in your life then? Was this during the Food Network? or uh, doing Food Network, yeah, all Food Network stuff. And um, I woke up and I said to the doctor, kind of as a, you know, two Jews going to bar, and I yeah. said, you know, hey, doc, do I have cancer? And he said, as a matter of fact, you do. Yeah. And I went, holy shit, are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. What's the what, what's the good news? Yeah. Um, you see that? Is the receptionist out front? <laughs> I'm fucking her. <laughs> he does. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> and so, oh my God. So we go to an oncologist, which is a place you never want to go. Yeah. And uh, he wanted to do a bone uh, marrow extraction thing. And I had heard- For your gut? Yeah. And, huh. he, and he said, uh, I had heard it was like the most ridiculous pain in the world. So I got up and started to walk to the door and my wife said, where are you going? I said, I'm going home. I can't do cancer. And she said, no, you have to do it. And I said, I'm telling you, I can't. So we left. Yeah. And she said, you're out of your mind. Yeah. You've got to go do this. So a few days later, I called uh, the doctor. Yeah. He said, we're going to do it. They did You got it. kids uh, I at two. this time? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I have a 42-year-old son and a 39-year-old daughter. So, yeah, I've had kids for a while. Yeah. And so um, they found, they took them a week to discover what I had. I have uh, something called CLL, chronic lymphatic leukemia. And uh, so I'm on, I was in chemo. And that was what you was doing your intestines yeah, in? Yeah, yeah. No it, shit. Yeah. And so uh, I was on chemo for two years, then off for a while, then on a year, then off for a while. Then the last time they tried chemo, didn't work. Mm. And so I'm on these pills called Imbruvica uh, that only cost $15,000 a month. And uh, that's what's Jeez. been keeping me alive the last four years. Now, right yeah, now. Yeah. You're still on them. I'm still on them. For the rest of my life, I'll be on them. So are they covered? <laughs> they were. Uh-huh. And then, as you remember, Screen Actors Guild and SAG took everybody over 65 and canceled their health insurance. During COVID. Yep. And said, any coming back. You guys are costing us too much money. Uh, Ed Asner, prior to dying, got pissed off. I loved Ed. Yeah. And uh, he did a class action lawsuit yep. and won. Yeah. And so now I'm covered by the AFL-CIO mm. and uh, it cost me $5 a month. That's fucking great. Yeah. But Good for you. Why should any of that medication cost that much? It should, no, it should all be free. Oh, I know. And I, I called my doctor and I said, I can't afford this stuff. What happens if I stop taking it? And he said, you, you'll die. You have to keep taking it. Oh, my God. And I said, well, uh, what am I supposed to do? So University of Pennsylvania Hospital, my favorite place in the whole world, uh, worked out a deal where they, they gave it to me at a discounted price, like $2,800 a month, until mm. we figured out the insurance thing. Ugh. And uh, yeah, so I mean- more hours spent on the phone trying to get that stuff fixed out is is oh my god what a fucking nightmare oh it's horrible but now you're good for the rest of it well you know we hope so and uh-huh. what he said to me is you'll probably never have to go on chemo again because if this stuff wears off there's another pill that they have now so you know so you got the good leukemia yeah i got the yeah i mean <laughs> if there is a good leukemia i got the sure and that's what he said he said if you have to get one this is the one to get yeah um because he said chances are you're going to die of something else not this so wow yeah. man Man, you you know you you did you you did, you did all right. <laughs> you, you negotiated with God. <laughs> yeah, it's been all right. I can't complain. Are you a religious person? I'm not anymore. 
Um, you were though. I was at one point. I'm just at what point? Uh, as a younger person, and then growing up, seeing you know both my mother-in-law and father-in-law were in Auschwitz for four years. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, lots of stories there. They tell them. Uh, Oh, yeah. I got them on videotape uh, on a lot of the stuff. And Where is that stuff going? Uh, I don't know. I have it. They did the- Are they, Have they, got, have they, they passed? Did the, yeah, they did the Spielberg thing, though. Uh, they were recorded with all that information. And I got a private tour of Auschwitz, uh, and that was- amazing. VIP? Yeah, a VIP, <laughs> honest to God. Uh, but because we had all the your stories your, uh, your, that they if, had- If you're a Jew that had relatives in Auschwitz, they'll, they'll close the, the park <laughs> that's for right. you. And you that's right. <laughs> you can go on all the rides. <laughs> I had a backstage pass. It was Good fantastic. You, but, you know, because they had told us so many stories, yeah. we went in and said, you know, my mother-in-law used to cut the shoes open to get the jewelry out that they would hide. Mm. And, uh, you know, where did that take place? And, and so we would tell them all these stories and they'd take us to where those oh things. Oh, my God. They, they went with you? Yeah. Uh, no, not, not my in-laws. They were past at that oh. point. But the, the guy who toured us around had... He was in charge of the website of Auschwitz, so he knew all this stuff. Yeah, I, fo I follow them on Twitter, and it's so funny because I follow a bunch of comics and then just Auschwitz. <laughs> so you, know, you get jokes and get some <laughs> cultural insight, and then like on this day in 19, <laughs> yeah, they have these pictures of these inmates. Oh, it's horrible. Oh, dude. Yeah. I, I, I do some, I, I've been, I, I do material, about, I, I, in my new special, there's an Auschwitz mm. thing. But but it's weird because like the Jew thing I've been which I've been talking about because I find that in in the face of anti-Semitism all I can do is annoy anti-Semites. Yeah, it's it's our job. It's a gig. And uh, uh, but you know I've been talking about in terms of religion. It's I say I'm not religious. I'm a Jew. Yeah, yeah it's, and, a, it's a lifestyle, man. That's what no. It is. But the thing is, it's like you know people ask me like, do Jews have heaven? You're like, it's not clear. <laughs> I I don't. It, it wasn't explained to me <laughs> at all. You know. Yeah, how about hell? We don't know. <laughs> We, we'll, we'll figure it out yeah, at some point. We all, all we know is we have to work harder and we're special. That's it. That's yeah. it. Two percent yeah. of the world and uh, everybody hates us. Yeah. Be, that, why? Because uh, we've what? We figured something out. You think we're running the world? That should be you're stupid. Did you see the videotape where they asked Robin Williams? He was in Germany and they uh. said, why do you think we have a lot of comedians? And he said, uh, maybe because you killed them all. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Good for him. So what's the new show? You're doing a podcast? You're doing a podcast. I got talked into this. I, right I, in time, uh, dude. Uh, you're, just, you're right on the cutting edge. <laughs> There's 850,000 podcasts. Why am I going to break through? Yours is going to be the one. Um, it's called Mark Summers Unwraps. And, um, who got to, what do you mean you got talked into it? Well, I got offered these things all the time. Uh. And I thought to my, during COVID, I did 500 podcasts. Now, you live in Philly? No, I, I live in Montecito. Okay, so okay. you're out of Philly. I'm out of Philly. Uh. Moved out of there uh, about five years ago. And so- um, You used to do Preston and Steve? I still do it. See, I love those guys. They're the best- Morning team ever. Totally. Ever, ever, ever. Totally. I've, I've been doing that show as a regular 12, 14. Yeah, it's so fun to do a, a, a real crew. They you know? know what they're doing. Totally. And here's the best part about that show, yeah. as opposed to every other morning team, they don't talk over each other at all. Okay. Yeah, and they, and they love, like, I, the, the great thing about morning radio, because I actually had to, I, I hosted this morning radio, is that all they want you to do is show up for work. Yes, man. yes. Like, yeah, th there's no worse when they have a comedian that's a dud. Oh, my God. And so many of them are, because it's six in the morning. They, I know. I, I don't care if it's three in the morning. I want to do it. Yeah, you want to get, I want to get into the energy, because if they're going, if you walk in at seven o'clock to do a spot on a morning show, and you just feel like, you know, they're all looking at you like, we got a good thing going. Yeah. Are you going to fuck it up? Uh, no, you, don't, you better not. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. Um, yeah, Philly's a great place. I mean, uh, I loved living there. It was. Yeah, I lived yeah. in New York for a while. Lived the in Knicks. Philly. Uh, yeah. Oh, great. And it's just, there's so many, I mean, the food in Philly is not to be believed. No, I know. I drove out to John's to get the original. Did you really? Yeah. 
Did you get the pork? Yeah, the pork with the rob, right? <laughs> if you went in that kitchen, you'd never eat it again. Yeah. Oh, my God. No, no, I I, I, I preferred the Knicks. In, Did you really? In Reading Market, yeah, but I knew the original was John's. I yeah. Mean, this is back when I'm like, if I'm going to a place, I'm going to eat their shit. <laughs> so, but I, I, I just liked the Knicks better. What about Tony Luke's? I, I uh, Tony the the subs the yeah, cheesesteaks. Yeah. I don't know wh- wh- where I fall in that the that world. The two are what's the other place? Gino's. Uh, Gino's, Gino's and Tony's. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, there's so many places there that are so dark. Yeah, I don't get involved with that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty specific about pizza in Chicago, and there's but, no good pizza in Chicago. Give me a break. No, but you got you let it be what it's going to be. Oh, that's stuff, I, that stuff that's 400 pounds of bread. Dude, I, Lou Malnati's is great. Uh, I love no, it. It's not, I love it many times. Huh? I don't get it. I don't get it. What do you I'm, mean? Don't look at it. Pizza is that going to help you? Well, you don't like bread and I, sauce. No, and I want to be able to read a newspaper through the through the crust. I want no, it to be thin. No, but that's different. That's different. You can only get that in New York. You can't get it. No, anymore. you get it in Philly. You get it in Boston. Boston where? Oh, every place. Are you kidding? Stop it. They what, they used to have Pizza Pad in, uh, in Kenmore pizza Square. Pad was the best. I know. I lived at the. Pizza I know, pad, dude. Man. I did too. Oh my god, it was great slice. Oh, man. I spent thousands of dollars. Yeah, it was. A, it, you'd end up because you would. That's where you'd end up. Yeah. it was open till three in the morning. There's a place in uh, Santa Barbara called Bettina's. Okay, in incredible. Come up there, but like, I'll, I'll buy but like circular pizza, not like the wood, not the wood oven. Pitch. Oh, of course, the wood oven. You got that's the only. You got to have an oven at nine hundred degrees. Uh, no, I know. So you want to be able to hold the slice and it sticks out. There you go. I know. Yeah, like uh, what is it, uh, Joe's in yeah. New York, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I don't know about pizza. I don't eat a lot of pizza unless I'm. But I, I do. My favorite food. Really? Yeah. You keep going. What, you don't have uh, Ashkenazi cholesterol problem? <laughs> Not with all the medication I take. Oh but my uh, God. yeah, Mark Vetri is the king of pizza. Next time you go to Philly, you got to go to Vetri. I mean, I uh, heard but, that. I heard that. Yeah. yeah but yeah. if you go to um, uh, Vegas, he's got a place there that's really good. You know who knows all about pizza? Jimmy Kimmel is the king of pizza. But is, it, is that the guy that did the Cafe Bianco here or the pizza? Well, he, he was with him. He's best friends with him. Yeah. But uh, Kimmel and Bianco were best friends. Okay. Yeah. And Bianco's got a place here in downtown L.A. now. So what's the show? It's called Mark Summers Unwraps. Uh, let's see. Kicking off with uh, Anthony Ramos. Uh, I was doing summer stock. I was doing uh, uh, Grease. I was playing Vince Fontaine. When was, was this? This was 10, 11 years ago. And, uh, You're doing summer stock? Yeah, I was doing summer stock. And um, How often does that happen? Uh, what, is that a choice? I've, is that for yeah, fun? Yeah, I've got a one-man show that's coming back uh, this summer. Is it about cancer and getting your face smashed? The one-man show is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and uh, there was a 17-year-old kid who was amazing. And as uh, Oh, no, of course I know Anthony. Yeah. I was in a movie with him. Oh, you were? I'm okay. sorry. Yeah. He, no, he, Anthony he did Ray- Hamilton. And, yeah, he's uh, great. I was yeah. in Bad Guys with him. Oh, okay. He's so great. He stars in every movie that's I just, out there. I, I don't know why I didn't. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't. So Anthony's our first guest. Fantastic. Oh, he's the best. I've known him forever. He's the best. Uh, Guy Fieri, I think, is our second guest. Yeah. Uh, Al Roker uh, was on. Uh, Fluff, Fluffy. Is Al Roker doing a one-man show about uh, his problems? <laughs> no, he's You guys fine. should tour the country together. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Fluffy, we had uh, just had uh, Gabriel on. He was sure. he was fantastic. So, well, what the idea is about obstacles? Yeah, overcoming obstacles and why some people are successful. And you know, you go to a movie or Broadway show or TV, and you say, "Well, those people are lucky." And you go, "No, they're not lucky. They work their asses off to get there." That's for and sure. What you don't yeah. know is, I mean, I don't know how long we've been talking. I don't even know. But you know, to hear all this silliness that I've been through, yeah, and that I'm still sitting here talking and yeah. know, playing show business, yeah. What the hell, man? You know, I've never worked a day in my life. I've been so fortunate. What, I think the answer is persistent selfishness. Think selfishness? Do you really? Uh, no, maybe that's the wrong word. It, it's uh, but there's something about you know, the, there guys like you and whatever I've been through. 
I'm in the moment. I'm not thinking, how am I going to go over the, get over this obstacle? I'm not, I'm I don't not, think anybody consciously thinks that. Well, I mean, but people write about it like people consciously think about it. No, I think you either do it or you don't. Look, that's right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Either it's, you know, either you're going to get bitter, like in our business. Yeah. You know, what kills you is, is uh, you, you know, bitterness or self-pity or, or, and you don't, and you don't look at it as giving up or, or just bad luck, yeah. you, you know? So like there's some mixture of, I think you have to be delusional to a certain and then, extent. And, and, and then eventually, it, when that wears off and you've landed somewhere, you have to have acceptance. But here's the deal. I knew as a kid from Indiana watching the Ed Sullivan show yeah. that I had zero talent, okay? Yeah. And I, and I could almost say that now with one exception in that I'm really good at being me and I'm a good host. But it took me forever to learn how to be a good host. You're quick. Yeah, I am now, but it took years. The day I became a host was this. I, I was doing a show called The Home Show on ABC. Gary Collins was the host. And Gary took I remember a, that guy. And he took off a week, and they filled me in and let me do the hosting yeah. for a week. Yeah, And so and they said You saw me, your opportunity, didn't you? You're well, like, this is you it. know, here's what I did. Yeah. I studied too hard, and I knew too much information. Yeah. And I did not let the other people talk, and I was trying to show everybody how smart I was. Yeah, I've, been, I've done that. Okay. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> ABC Network came out uh, and said to our executives- yeah. Uh, he ain't doing the show tomorrow. We're not. We're not dealing with this. And and Woody Frazier cleared a desk and said, "I'm sticking with him. And I think he's great." He pulled me in his office. And he said, "Look, they want to blow you up. I'm going to give you it till tomorrow. Yeah. If you don't get your shit together tomorrow, you're out of here." Did he tell you how though? Did he tell yes, you to he shut up? Him, well, here's what happened. Yeah. So he said, "I'm going to send them material to your house tonight. Study yeah. it." So I studied it. Yeah. We were going live at eight o'clock. Uh, uh, West Coast time, eleven o'clock uh, East Coast time. Yeah, I was wearing an IFB earpiece, and he said to me, "Did you study last night? Did you do you do you know all the information that you're yeah. supposed to know?" I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Now forget everything you just read and go out and have a conversation." Ah, and that turned my life around. Wow. And I went, you know what? He's right. Yeah. And so if you and I can just talk. Yeah. And by the way, I know enough about you. You know enough about me. You know you had to plug the, the podcast. Uh, and and But we talked about so many other things. Sure. But not everybody can do that. Yeah. You know? Sure. It, some of them, I, that's I, your talent. Well, yeah, that's my talent. There you and go. And that's what I learned. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't yeah. good at stand-up. Right. Uh, you know, do I? I have to be good at both. But it's you okay. Do. <laughs> you do. You <laughs> do. I'm kidding. No, but you do. You know, you're getting specials on Netflix. <laughs> and all these things and you're kicking ass and taking names but you put in the time too man I, but we're kind of dicks aren't we yeah okay. uh, you have to be <laughs> well, that's I think that's the key to getting over <laughs> obstacles you think so yeah that was what I was looking for <laughs> I just didn't <laughs> I just didn't know how to say it. It's I'm like, a professional no, you're a penis. Dick. You're a dick. <laughs> I saw it on Burt Reynolds. The whole thing is just being a dick. <laughs> I, you know what? I've had so, so many interviews since 1994. God damn it, you figured it out. <laughs> professional oh <my> dick. <laughs> You just, but I'm yeah. circumcised. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you turn on the charm for the hosting, but like you know, inside you've got the dick inside. Well, you know, I, I'll say lines at home that are you know sure. things that you shouldn't say. That well, you really... well, you got to blow off steam. Exactly. Yeah. And my wife will go, "Yeah, nice, Mister Double Dare." My wife always says that to me. She said, "If they only knew." <laughs> yeah. If they only knew the world. I have a sick sense of humor. Of course. Very. You know, my opening line. Uh, Alice wanted to divorce me. I said, uh, "My wife is Greek." On our wedding night, she walked down the aisle backwards. I mean, she used to oh, go bizarre. Good. Yeah. yeah. Is she Greek? Yeah, she is Greek. Greek Jew. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. How about a Greek that? Jew marries an Indiana Jew. Yeah. That's crazy. Sephardic How did, Ashkenazi. Sephardic, so they came from, where, where'd they run from? Spain? Uh, oh, Spain. Spain. Huh. 
and ended up in uh, Thessaloniki, Greece. Wild. See, that's how Jews get places, yeah. avoiding death. Amazing. Good talking to you, man. I, I, this was a ball. I got to tell you, I, I've been lucky enough to do, I did Stern, I did The Tonight Show, uh, I did Oprah. Yeah. I was nervous about coming over here. Really? Because I admire the hell out of you. Oh, and, thanks. And you're a pioneer at this thing, and you do it so well. That's why you're still on the air. So uh, thanks for having me. Oh, that's me. very nice. I yeah. appreciate it. Great talking to you. Same here, sir. There you go. We got to the core of it. We got to the bottom of it. Mark Summers Unwraps is out now, and you can listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. And now I, I need to ask you to hang out for a minute. Don't go. Seriously. Hey, look, I'm sure you take a lot of vitamins. Maybe you take a daily multivitamin. Maybe you take ones to boost your immunity or ones to help with alertness. But what about your cells? Are you giving your cells the full nutrition they need, especially as we age? I am, thanks to Solgar. Solgar is part of my daily routine, thanks to their cellular nutrition line. Give yourself a daily collection of nutrients designed to help fight cellular decline and promote cell health. Visit CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more and use promo code MarkMarin, all one word, to get 20% off. On Thursday, folks, Tim Blake Nilsson is back on the show. He was on about five years ago, and we had a great talk. And he's written a novel, and because he's such an easy guy to talk to, we had him back. And the novel is very good, City of Blows. When I talked to him, I hadn't finished it yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm planning on being done by the time I talk to you and introduce that episode on Thursday. I've got homework, man. I'm going to be making Kraut and finishing his book. If you want to catch up on that earlier episode with uh, Tim Blake Nelson, it's episode number 973, and it's available right now in the free feed. I would get there at around 9. I had a day job. I um, out in uh, was worked at the Boulangerie in uh, this restaurant called the Boulangerie in Venice, uh -huh. uh, making sandwiches um, yeah. during the day. And then I would get to the Laugh Factory at about 9, and I would keep getting bumped mm -hmm. because I wasn't very good. Yeah. Uh, go on about one. Yeah. Yeah. Go on at about one. For nine people. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and just wait and wait Welcome and wait. to it. Well, Welcome to yeah. comedy. And I never got past that rung. And Which I, at the end of the summer, I said, acting... So I've done, I did stand-up for a summer and I did theater for a summer and I'm not going to do anything to help the, I'm not doing anything new as a comedian. They're, they're all, I would get to watch for three hours a night. Oh yeah. And it just chip away at your confidence and you just like, you just sit there and you yeah. watch the audience leave. <laughs> you watch all these big acts come on. Yeah. But they were really good. And I thought. It chipped away at my confidence, but but at least for me, that wasn't the worst thing in the world. Certainly not for the art of comedy. I wasn't going to end up developing, you know, like a, a Lou Bra a Lou Black persona or something. How do you, you know? know? I guess I don't know, but I'm pretty confident. Well, I, well, it's good that you understand the limitations of your talent. But like you know, most of us who get into comedy, like you know, they, we just plow on. You know? <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it's like in my mind, you, you chose the more difficult path in a way. I think uh, stand-up comedy is the more difficult path. I actually do. To get every episode of WTF ad-free, sign up for WTF Plus by clicking the link in the episode description or go to WTFPod.com and click on WTF Plus. And speaking of links in the episode description, just reminding you that there's a link there for you to submit a question that I can answer on next week's Ask Mark Anything episode for full Marin subscribers.
All right? Okay. Let's get into the brining process. Let's start the brining. But here's some guitar. Angels everywhere. All right. 